I read an article recently from a local San Francisco reporter for the New York Times. Her name is Erin Griffith, and she wrote an essay entitled, Why Are Young People Pretending to Love Work? I know, I'll say it again. Why are young people pretending to love work? She describes the, and I hadn't heard this before, the TGIM, thank God it's Monday, <laughs> hashtag hustle harder work culture that she observes here in the Bay Area. She found this amazing picture of a water cooler at a WeWork space where someone had carved into whole cucumbers that they had put in the water. Don't stop when you are tired, stop when you are done. This is definitely not the 90s ethos of movies like Office Space. You're not supposed to complain and hide and try to avoid doing work. Instead, you're supposed to spend all day loving work, having fun, responding eagerly to 24-7 ideas on your phone, and then hang out with your awesome coworkers on the weekend. One paragraph in the article really struck me. She writes, perhaps we've all gotten a little hungry for meaning. Participation in organized religion is falling, especially among American millennials. In San Francisco, where I live, I've noticed that the concept of productivity has taken on an almost spiritual dimension. Techies here have internalized the idea, rooted in the Protestant work ethic, that work is not something you do to get what you want, the work itself is all. Therefore, any like life hack or company perk that optimizes their day, allowing them to fit in even more work, is not only desirable, but inherently good. It made me think of the first religious studies class I ever took in college, where we had to read Max Weber's The Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism. The basic idea of his 1904 book, really a seminal sociology text, is that the Puritan ethics of the Reformation in Northern Europe influenced the development of capitalism. That at a time of changing mercantile and then later industrial economies, raising hard work to a spiritual pursuit, making toiling as a cobbler making shoes all day into an act of praising God, that that ethic had a direct economic impact. That it convinced people to create, or at least one could argue support, capitalism. As an aside, especially for the history professors from San Francisco State in the room, not, not anyone in particular, I saw Joel earlier. <laughs> one could argue that Marxist or socialist theory also elevates work to a political and thereby spiritual practice that is critical for economic progress. And I would even add that early Zionists in the kibbutz community can certainly portrayed working the land of Israel as a sacred obligation that was fulfilling God's vision for the Jewish people. So I don't wanna essentialize where we get capitalism or for that matter, where we get the notion that work is sacred in a society. But here we are in 2019 with a generation that grew up during a major recession and another significant shift occurring in the labor economy, 
and we're asking the same questions. How do we talk about work? How does work relate to our spiritual lives? And who ultimately benefits from that narrative? In Genesis 2, God worked to create the world for six days. Then vayishbot bayum hashvi'i. God stopped on the seventh day from all the work that God had done. Vayivarech Elohim at yom hashvi'i. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because on it God stopped from all the work of creation that God had done. We are B'Tselem Elohim, we're made in the image of God. We too are supposed to work to create and then to stop. And the stopping, the time when we are not working, is what God blesses and makes holy. Yet, just one chapter later in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit, and God punishes them with these words, by the sweat of your brow shall you, bre shall you get bread to eat, until you return to the ground, for from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. This seems to be saying almost the opposite, that the nature of life from beginning to end is having to always work to survive literally to put bread on the table. There seems to be an inherent dilemma expressed at the very beginning of Torah. We have to work to live, and yet at the same time, the power, the privilege, the gift of Shabbat is not working. The fourth commandment that we read two Shabbatot ago, Zachor et Yom HaShabbat likot shom. Remember Yom HaShabbat, you could really literally read that as remember the day of stopping and make it holy, right? Make it kiddushah, give it kiddush. So the rabbis asked in the Mishnah right after, right after the Torah was ultimately sealed, they asked, so what is work? How do we know what we are supposed to stop doing in order to fulfill the mitzvah, the commandment? And they find their answer in this week's Torah portion, Trumah. They read the story in Exodus of how the Israelites build the Mishkan, the sacred space where God will dwell with them in the desert. And they use all of the activities, the drawing the blueprints, the carrying the wood, the hammering the nails, to define the work that should not be done on Shabbat. They come up with 39 categories of milacha, literally of Shabbat work in all. So they basically say everything that it took to build the Mishkan, that's exactly the kinds of things that we shouldn't be doing on Shabbat. That that is work and Shabbat is not. So when someone describes themselves as Shomer Shabbos, as Shomer Shabbat, as observing Shabbat, it means that they do not do those 39 things from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday that the Torah portion this week describes. I think the overall greater theme is that work is about creating, literally about building, whether a world or a sanctuary, and that every week we need to actively stop ourselves from that kind of work. When I go back and I read Griffith's article, I appreciate the urge to romanticize work. Most work, even meaningful, interesting work, 
can become rote, tiring, uninspired over time. Some of you may appreciate that in your own professional lives. And I've certainly had tough days as a rabbi when I've needed to remind myself that I'm working for the good of the Jewish people as well as a paycheck. I'm not sure I've called it a hustle, but I get the idea of reminding myself, just like someone studying for an exam or someone trying to finish a triathlon, that it's worth it to work hard for something you care about. But I also think that there are healthy limits to work cultures, all work cultures. Whether you consider yourself an observant Jew or not, you can appreciate the power of Shabbat with this regard. Jewish time ritualizes these boundaries. It helps push us to find moments of separation from work so we can recognize where holiness truly exists. It wants to trust us as God did in the Garden of Eden, but it knows that we're probably gonna eat the fruit, right? And so ultimately, it creates a boundary. It creates a 25-hour period where we are literally commanded, where it is our mitzvah to make ourselves stop working. So when I go back to Weber then, I ask, is there a Jewish ethic of work? Is there something for people who tend to be very capitalist in our outlook? Although you could argue, historically, we were also the socialists and the Marxists of the 20th century. But for the 21st century Jewish community, what is our ethic of work? And if I had to summarize it while on one foot, I would say that work is important. Hard work and education have been the keys to success and survival for Jewish communities over time. And for the most part, we recognize that work is not a choice but a necessity. But work is not everything. In fact, the most sacred time of the week is when we stop doing it. Shabbat Shalom.